Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Happy birthday to you. Finally, someone says it. Ha- <laughs> it's not even your birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to our brother, Dan. Yep, I'll ha- take that as well. Happy birthday to anybody celebrating a birthday tonight, tomorrow, whatever. You when- sound like a club DJ. I be like, <laughs> yo, shout out to everybody having a birthday tonight. You know, like... <laughs> Put him in the middle of the circle. Point him out. Point him out. Point him out. Point him out. <laughs> Leo season. Yeah, Leo season. No, no. Listen, I sound sincere. Cancer season. I'm I'm very happy for you being mm-hmm. born today or whenever this is being played. Yep. And I'm happy to celebrate you. And I wish you and Dan and whoever else Shiv is Peter Rosenberg, is all of them who are celebrating birthdays tonight, tomorrow, whenever, mm-hmm. a great year ahead. So thank you. Happy birthday. Jeff, uh, the birthday month has been uh, off to a good start. I'd birthday say. month. It, well, like, like I'm trying to celebrate the whole month. I, this is what is, people do now. I don't know. I, yeah, that is true. I, I honestly, yes, this year, like we've always had big birthdays, Dan and I, because there's two of us, and you know, the oh, whole yeah, thing yeah, has yeah, always yeah. been like a lot of friends, a lot, a lot of, of celebration, yeah, a lot of, right? A lot of cakes, yeah. yeah, yeah, two cakes, one chocolate, one vanilla, yeah, yeah. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And this year, I was like, you want to know what? I don't really feel like doing that. I mm-hmm. feel like having like a quiet. You're not going to celebrate with Dan. just solo birthday yeah but then we got to today yeah my birth my actual birthday is tomorrow yeah and i i did i did notice this today i'm like organizing i saw some texts (laughs) organizing a birthday thing i didn't realize it was such a last minute affair but guess it is (laughs) yeah and and like i'm actually putting work into this thing that i really did not care about but then it's like i guess maybe i am a leo and that's like a thing where i just need attention jeff yeah i didn't get my invite that's true so <laughs> that is true i I've, I've, only, with me. <laughs> I've only included you on group texts and sent it you've been a part of those is but this... i guess i didn't personally i hate when people mm-hmm. get mad that they weren't personally invited to something mm-hmm. when it's like it there's the internet at large like you were invited well um i'm sorry you didn't get your special <laughs> Owl delivered <laughs> invitation. Wait, is this? But you're invited. This again, isn't about you. Okay, it's you, not directly to me. Although I am looking at you and pointing is, at you. This is to the world. I could see why you this would is, think. <laughs> this is to the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've not been invited to a lot of things. And I don't know that, you know, you necessarily. No, don't, don't make that the, the make birthday it message. Personal. Yeah. You know? Uh, Poor us. We haven't been invited to the Dreamville sessions. Well, we were. <laughs> we did see J. Cole the other day, and that was nice. Yeah. That was nice. He it, didn't wish me a happy birthday. No. Should we have him call in? <laughs> yeah, Colin. Before we go any further, I do want to thank every person who was a part of a, a big shopping spree around here. We sold our entire inventory of rhyme books mm-hmm. and mean mugs. Mm-hmm. So shout out to everyone who bought one. But now we have to figure out what to do next. Yeah, that is the question. Why am I talking like E40? But now we have to talk about what to do next. <laughs> Shake them dreads. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to do. Do you? I, I sort of want to do the Supreme because, thing. Because, hold on, hold on. You can't do more mugs when you've already, like, hit the apex of mugs. We already we already killed the mug thing. Like, how are we going to do a better notebook than rhyme book? It's, like, it's not just, like, restock them. It's, like, no, do something better. Do something different. So what is that Well, I Like I was, like I was saying before, I was very rudely interrupted. Mm-hmm. On my birthday, no less. Well, it's it's not technically your birthday well, yet. Well, feels like Is my birthday. Is it birthday month? I don't know. You already wish me had a birthday. You can't take it back. Yeah. I feel like we should do like what Supreme does, mm-hmm. where they just put their name on anything and it's and people yeah. will buy it. And so it's like, I don't know, like, let's do like a fire extinguisher. Let's do like a, 
uh, an axe. Let's do a wrench. A wrench. How about a wrench? We're going to do a wrench. And it's the real wrench. Can we do a collaboration? There's with no somebody? like pun to it. There's no thought behind it. It's just a wrench. Oh, you want to do a, a collab? Well, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What's, it, it, let's talk this through. What is the pun behind the fire extinguisher? Hot Boy Summer. <laughs> by the way, by, no, no, I, I, no. Let me, let me take that back because I hate this entire thing. You just said it. I hate this entire thing. Just I'm like so the birthday tired. thing. You said it. You can't take it back. I said it, then I forget it. <laughs> I hate. Hot Boy Summer so much. Yeah. I hate Hot Girl Summer at this point because yeah. it's been done to death. Right. I hate being asked if it's a Hot Boy Summer. I hate being right. told that the boys are up. Right. Okay. So, given that... This joke is dead. But, but Bury it for my birthday. Do you think yes. that there is a shorter shelf life for these puns than there has been before? Because that's the sense that I get. You know, I wanted to make a joke recently for a song idea and you said no that's over yes and then you said i said the same thing about a week later and i was like this is a funny <laughs> idea for so so right, right, yeah, right. for but, for a collaboration but obviously everything is funny when i say it oh and then when anybody else says it then it's terrible that is the the birthday month privilege <laughs> so Okay, so if we're going to do a collaboration with someone, uh-huh. it or has to do... Wrench? Well, no, no, no. It, it has to do something with well, who, something who that we, we find even, funny. Who would we even do a, a wrench collaboration with? Snap-on. Why do you have that on the top of your head? Because I'm very into car restorations, as you know. I can't believe... Having lived in New York City for the last uh, 12 years. I cannot... Be- yeah, you don't have a car. I, I don't, cannot believe I that you have Snap-on... Yeah. Our new sponsor. Yeah. Shout out to Snap-On. Shout out to Snap-On. Best. Go follow them. Snap-On on Instagram. <laughs> Snap-On on Twitter. And hashtag Snap-On It's The Real. Yeah. Wait, I figured it out. Thank God. <laughs> For everyone who's been waiting. I've been waiting this entire time. Wrench in the system. All right. We are tech disruptors, Jeff. We are <laughs> podcast disruptors. Happy birthday. Yeah. You figured Wrench it out. Wrench in the system. What does that have to do with us? Again, Jeff. Oh, we're, we're, we're tech disruptors. It's like you don't listen. <laughs> I said it. No, you said it, then I forget. <laughs> Wrench in the system. I'm. I don't think we figured anything. Now the out. wheels are turning. Okay. Since, since all the <laughs> since all the lug nuts are in place, uh, yeah. the wheels are turning. Oh my god! These Wrench puns, in the system. I asked for a pun. You've given. Happy Six. happy birthday, Jeff. Mediocre. <laughs> happy birthday, Dan. Happy birthday, Shiv. Happy birthday, Peter Rosenberg. Happy birthday to everybody. It's Leo season. Jeff, who's on the podcast today? DJ EFN is on the podcast today. DJ EFN, who a lot of you know as half of the Drink Champs podcast based out of Miami, Florida, but his story is way bigger than just one podcast. Mas grande. He is. Uh, he's actually not even a Miami native, which, no. is, which is interesting. He's yeah. born in Los you Angeles. You heard it here first. Maybe. Maybe people did hear it here first. Yeah. But... He's a uh, very big part of Miami hip-hop. Uh, you've heard a lot of Miami legends' names. Pitbull, Rick Ross, Flo Rida, Flo Rida Smitty, um, Uncle Luke, certainly, mm-hmm. um, Ted Lucas. But It is crazy that we said Uncle Luke like fifth. Uncle Luke should be number one. DJ EFN okay. is somebody whose story is very underrated. He's thrown parties he has dj'd he's shipped mixtapes around he's recorded albums he has championed artist after artist and really helped shape the culture 
of hip hop down in Miami and that importance should be documented and I'm so glad that we got to sit down with him here today. Also, I hope that one day we get to go back down to Miami and get some Cuban food with him. And I hope that we can also be on Drink Champs as Nori originally promised. By the way, there's a lot of Nori talk on this, how important Nori is as a brother to EFN, how important Nori is to their podcast, certainly, and how important Nori is to... It's the real mm-hmm. because, uh, as we mentioned later on, he did do a sketch with us back in the day when we were doing these videos on YouTube, and uh, and then when we brought it up to him again a couple of years ago, he said your invite has been revoked, and now I don't know why. So you're saying that he wrenched it away from <laughs> I, us? I did, and that is the pun. And he that we've been looking for is a disruptor mm-hmm. to us being on his podcast. All right, before we get into this, let's talk about three episodes. I think that if you like this one, you'll also like yes. episode number 76 with Young Sav and Steve-O. Shout out to our guys, Young Sav and Steve-O. Young Sav, you may know from his work with MMG and over at Def Jam, and most recently with the success of Flip De Niro. And our guy, Steve-O Carlos, who was uh, Nipsey Hussle's best friend and manager and behind the success of YG and an executive at places like Atlantic Records and Def Jam and worked with Jeezy and most recently was the A&R executive for the Lion King soundtrack, which is a big fucking deal. Those guys started in a closet at Def Jam and are now running this business. Shout out to our great friends, Young Sav and Steve-O. Episode number 97 with DJ Bobby Trends. One of Jeff's favorite episodes, Bobby Trends, the Hot 97 DJ, club DJ, just great guy, came over, told his entire journey, which included, most fascinatingly, that he grew up and was best friends from middle school on with AJ Calloway from 106 and Park. They would have sleepovers, and then as they got older, they came and promoted parties in the city and then later went on to both be famous in their respective fields. But it's just one of those stories that you never expect to come from that guy, and it is well worth it. What a great, great episode, Bobby Trends. How about number 225? <laughs> Sorry, I was, I'm debating between like two or three. Okay. But I'm going to say number 225 with Denzel Curry. Shout out to Denzel Curry, our friend from Miami. Um, Who just cut his hair. Did he really? Yeah. Congratulations to him. We did not talk about that on the podcast, but we did go down to Miami to actually do this interview. And Denzel, who, you know, has had a very... Very interesting career for somebody so young. Um, obviously, his time in Raider Clan, his relationships with the ASAP guys. Most recently, he put out a project that features another really, really dope guy from Florida, Rick Ross. And uh, that project is called Zoo. Go check that out. And before you do, listen to this episode with Denzel Curry. Jeff, when do you want to get into this one? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Boo Sailors, a.k.a. Make Some Noise! <laughs> Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Too Much Dip in My Chip, a.k.a. Poutine Poppy. That's a good one. <laughs> Yo, what up? This is actually Eric also. Oh, shit. A.k.a. DJ EFN. Yeah. A.k.a. E-Funk. A.k.a. Funk. <laughs> a.k.a. Eric's favorite nanny. Eric's everybody's favorite nanny. Yeah. Eric's their favorite nanny. <laughs> Eric's everything. Let's go. Yes, you're their favorite podcast. The waste of time with it's the real. Yeah. EFN 
what's happening? What's going on? Yo, really good to see you. I'm glad that, um, you know, listen, podcast wars are over and you are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, we have somebody waiting in the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You have a Sicario back? Wait, real quick. The intro's ill. He he warned me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it still caught me off guard. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, the crazy thing is that, so for the last 12 years at this point, Mm -hmm. we've done AKAs throughout our sketch videos, our music, our live events, our all of our podcasts, and this is 260-something episodes in, we have never repeated an AKA. It's always something different. Every time. Yeah, Yeah. we don't do the Drink Champs intro every single time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That was just for you. Yeah, yeah. So we were just talking about the fact that you are the only person who wears headphones Headphones. on your podcast. Do you really need them? I do. Um, not for, if you watch, we have the TV version of the yes, Champs, so yeah. I'm not doing it for that. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for the podcast version. Right. And oftentimes, Nori will either go this way, <laughs> or an artist will move or shift something. Yes. And I can't save it every time. Right. But when I can, I, I try to save it. What's the earliest you guys start drinking? We usually record shows around 8 p.m. Okay. Okay. But we'll... Nowadays we do like a pre-drinking thing, oh, we'll like do. go somewhere and you know get there a little nice and then yeah. get into the. Then show. you're warmed up and ready yeah, to go, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you don't drink enough on the show. <laughs> right, right, right. I, t- I tend to take breaks. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. What's the drunkest that you've been during recording? Um, during the PD Crack uh, episode, we had like a we did like a little event yeah. before it. So I was drinking, and then some dude was giving me like a homemade. Something uh, Molly juice, he called it, <laughs> which I should have. Were you like a college freshman? <laughs> it was crazy. I started talking about crazy shit. I don't know if you listen to that episode. I'm talking about I have something in my backpack I shouldn't have been talking about. I start talking about beef, and then I say excuse me, and I, I don't even know if I said excuse. Me. I just walked away, and I went to sleep in the next room. That was it. Yeah, because we call this. We have this thing called cat manning uh-huh. in my crew. It's like if you feel like you want to leave or you're too drunk or something before you pass out, you just like. Don't say bye, you just leave, you just escape. Right. And I did that on the show live. Oh my God. That's sort of worrying, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> just like leaving, just like, hey, where did he go? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Hey, Hope he's okay. Is he all right? Yeah. Do not know. I'm saving myself. What is a, a train of thought that Nori just totally derailed that you were like, damn it, I wish that we got the answer to that? Oh man, I, there's so many times that that's happened. I can't think <laughs> of one specific time. I, I mean, not even just me, the guest was in a deep thought of something nori just went off on a tangent of something else but to me that's what makes drink champs yeah special. oh for sure you know, those interactions or seeing the guests react to that yeah it's priceless you yeah. Know? yeah did you anticipate this part of your career were you like you know what i'm going to do something right that's maybe left to field maybe you thought i'm going to do something with nori together maybe you thought like hey i'm open to whatever comes my way did you ever see this becoming the driver for your career not podcasting specifically, but um, I'm, I've always been open from the beginning of when I just started DJing to try different things within the realm of music. Yeah, and so Molly it's not, Juice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Molly Juice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it, it's not surprising that, I, that it went to podcast or just something that I didn't anticipate. Yeah. It, but, you know, and with Nori as well, because Nori, early on, I was working with Nori and, and he did a lot for me early on. So I always said I want to be able to do something, you know, kind of in return of a favor, like if I can ever help out. And I feel like putting together Drink Champs with him and helping, you know, what I do behind the scenes and stuff was me kind of like, you know, fulfilling that that obligation that I had in my mind. You know? Well, I mean, like, and we are going to get into your whole story, but like, what did Nori do early on for you that like you feel like you're repaying? Well, 
you know, being a DJ out of Miami or just doing hip hop out of Miami in the early days was difficult. It, you know, we weren't, we didn't have all these guys living like they live there now. Yeah. It wasn't the mecca of hip hop. Right. You know? Scott Storch didn't bring his boat down there. <laughs> right. Right. So we had this small community of hip hop heads that were just trying to make a name for ourselves and it was difficult. And so I took the route of doing mixtapes. I felt like that was the niche that I could kind of fill in for Miami. And I would go to like conferences and stuff and get drops. And the drops was helping me get my name out there because it's like, oh, this guy from Miami's got cool drops. But then it was the freestyles, you know, you know, Clue, you know, took it to another level and all these guys. And I couldn't really compete because I didn't have these guys in my area to, to get access to. So um, I would get freestyles. But what happened is Nori, he came to my store. I had a store called Crazy Goods. Yep. And, and this was like 96, 97. And then I don't know if you know Live Sunday Lives. Yeah, so yeah, the Promoters yeah. of that. Shout out to Phil the Mayor, one of the guys that does that. He, um, you know, he's always been a promoter. And back then, no internet. You had to go and do in stores to promote events. Nori was on a CNN promo run by himself because Pone was locked up. Right. Mm -hmm. And they brought him to my store to do an in store to promote the event they were doing. And he, I had a digital four track back then that I would just like give a mic. I'd be like, Hey guys, you got to do a freestyle for me and when they came to the store and then he started doing a bunch of freestyles and then he was killing like he did more than one and then we just like the chemistry was there i don't know if it's his puerto rican side and yeah. the Cuban. we just hit it off and and this is your first time meeting him first time meeting him but you it just felt like him a microphone yeah yeah he came yeah. to the store you know back then artists were a little bit more open to, to doing that kind of stuff right it was like right. part of the culture you needed to do that yeah now they just do literally anything else but rapping yeah right, right. <laughs> so he did that for me i mean he did a bunch that day and then he we just built this connection that lasted years where he would he was almost on every mixtape and you know and this is at the peak of nori's career this is be right before nore drops then it drops oh man and i'm his guy in miami and he's like advocating for me in new york like i would hear like oh he shouted you out on hot 97 and, you know and i'm doing stuff promoting him in miami and it's just like we had that just that's that back and forth and everything he did kind of like opened doors for other artists to start be like yo nori did that you know and they would come in and do the freestyle whatever and it just like elevated my whole mixtape game at the time and my whole profile my whole company because yeah. of that yeah and so i always felt like man i want to return the favor however i can you know because he didn't have to do that yeah you know he really didn't have to like go out of his way like when he would come in and they would lock down hit factory and he'd have his whole crew and capone came home and all this stuff he'd be like yeah bring your four track and i would just and they would all you know, come in and do freestyles, and, and it was crazy. Where would you get your instrumentals from? I would just get anything off of any record that I had, like just no, you know, instruments yeah. out there. Yeah, well, just... this is again for people listening way before you could right. just like rip something off YouTube. No, no, yeah, yeah. Vinyl. This is vinyl. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You couldn't say like vinyl. heat makers type. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm the old school DJ guy. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not originally from Miami. No, Los Angeles. Los Angeles, yeah. but you only lived there for a few years. Yeah, I, I was born there, lived early years, and then uh, it was like back and forth. My parents were separated, and my dad moved to Miami, so we were going back and forth uh like three or four times um and finally stayed in miami around like junior high time so that's that's a big time to move uh yeah, junior high you leave all your friends and you have to so, start anew yeah, yeah so who are you in sixth seventh grade i'm a troubled ass kid yeah i mean yeah that's the precursor to to everything kind of like the company crazy hood and who's crazy like i felt like like un unstable yeah uh, i was a, a skater kid you know, listening to punk and, and rock and, 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 and hip hop was at that time coming, you know. Do you have any older siblings? No, I'm by myself. So You're it. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah. I have to be yeah. real creative, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was tough times in, in those years. Um, How do you find a, a friend base when you moved to Miami? I mean, I had some friends, but 
Yeah, because of well, what first fucked it up is moving back and forth. So if I made a friend and then we'd like leave, you're out. And then I'm like, fuck. And I didn't like Miami when I first got to Miami. You know, I I just I missed L.A. L.A. was my home. But then, you know, finally, when we stayed, I was like, I felt like I'm in prison all of a sudden. Like, ah, fuck. Like, why? You know, are we staying here? You know, but you're a kid. You don't know. And my mom, she's just trying to make it work, you know, and, and she's a single mother. I'm a latchkey kid. And, and just, you know, but, but ironically, like, the music is what started to, like, help me in, through these situations. Well, how does the music find you? Well, like I said, I've always been into music, and music always spoke to me and was always, like, helping me in whatever ways. But hip-hop specifically kind of filled the void that I didn't have, like, not really having my father around. Yeah. You know, I tell so, people it sounds, might sound corny, but it really, it really was kind of like that other parent for me. Yeah. You know, giving me, like, the street smarts I needed. You know, my mom's like... You know, if you get hit or you get beat up, just cry, go to the principal. Like, that ain't fucking working. Right, you know? so, right. So, you know, hip-hop was kind of like giving me that balance that I needed. And, 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 it, and it spoke to me in a way. And that's kind of like why the passion for hip-hop came from. What were the first, like, groups or acts or whoever that was, like, really speaking to you? That spoke to me directly was, yeah. like, NWA and Public Enemy. Mm. Before that, I was listening to Beasties and Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick and... Fun yeah, stuff. Two Life Crew, MC yeah. Shy D, Gucci Crew from Miami, all that stuff. Yeah, but... To me, it wasn't like, like when NWA came out, I was like, oh, these, these motherfuckers are, this is just scary shit. Like, this shit is real. Like, like I never had heard passion from hip hop until NWA, where you felt the anger, you know? And then, and then Public Enemy, likewise, on the other side of the spectrum. And those two groups, you know, is, is what really spoke to me. So did you have a boombox, a tape player? Boombox. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely had the, I was a kid with the boombox. You know, even when I was a skater, I had a boombox. A Walkman? I definitely had a Walkman. Yeah. And I had uh, two tape decks. I would make pause tapes. Where do you take that? Do you go to see live shows? Do you go, do people have ciphers at that time? Um, When I was that young, not yet. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not able to go to any really events or anything. And, and I didn't know where to, how to even find out about events in Miami. When I go into high school, then you start to hear about, you know, parties or events. And then I kind of made it my life's mission. Like, you know, I want to be like the like support the scene here and be a part of it. Like I, I, I sense that hip hop was in its young stages, period. But in Miami, even more so in its infant stage. And I can actually be a part of it, at least as a as a fan as a supporter of the culture so what type of ways can you do that are you like getting into like the elements and well in that? the beginning i had no i had no skills so yeah. i'm like i just want to go to these things like be even if it's a dollar amount or just presence i would be there and it would be like it's like you know we'd go to whatever there was like one hip-hop club in all of miami you know it was like this little ass place or it was like or there were these one-off parties and stuff and you go and it's like you're supporting the djs and and you know you're like you're, you just want to kind of help cultivate this miami hip-hop scene and then it was about the, the artists that were coming in from out of town. So I saw like the first time Biggie came. Wow. I saw him in Miami. The first time Wu-Tang came. And to see their faces, to, that for them to like, oh, wow, I got fans in Miami. Like you saw it. They were surprised. Yeah. You know, uh, first how, time how big were the How big were those rooms that they were playing? Um, some of them were pretty big because they were like, like, uh, like social club type that they would rent out. Like uh, there was this one place called Mahi Temple. It was like a, like a Shriners type of place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would rent that out a lot to do uh, to do hip hop. That's where I saw Biggie, and that's where I saw Wu. And those were pretty big calls. Yeah, man. Yeah. And do you know all of their their songs at that point? Well, I mean, some of them were coming before they had albums. Right. Most of them. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So we just knew the mixtape stuff. Like there was this one thing, if I remember correctly, that Biggie started. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna kick a freestyle for you guys," and he starts 
kicking a freestyle. And back then, a freestyle had to really be a freestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's kicking a verse off the mic off a mixtape. He doesn't mm -hmm. think that we know it. <laughs> so we start reciting the verses, and some people are booing, and and he's like. Man, fuck my hand. <laughs> but that's so memorable. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Biggie comes down there. Wu-Tang comes down there. Who's someone that, like, you have ownership in? Somebody who's from around Miami that you're like, you know what? I, I'm putting all my chips into that person. I mean, there was a, there's a lot of artists that never saw the light of day. But there was one specific artist that got signed, Mother Superior. Mm. And they used to call her the female Nas. And she was like everything that i wanted out of an artist you know repping hip-hop out of miami like she was lyrical but she's talking about miami things you know that speak to us being from miami and you know she was uh from this area called ghouls in miami where's that it's it's south from where i live now it's just south really south miami mm -hmm. where do you live right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what's your address yeah uh, one, 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 shut the fuck up <laughs> uh, so so yeah mother superior but she got signed to island music um, and then she moved to New York to pursue, like, to create that. I don't know what she did. And everybody in Miami that supported her up to that point was very disappointed that she moved to New York. Yeah. What can you do, though, right? Well, the thing is also we had an identity crisis in terms of hip-hop in Miami. We had a lot of transplants from New York. Mm. So a lot of people identify as New Yorker. Not a hip-hop head. I'm a New Yorker. You know what I'm saying? Same issue with the baseball teams, by the way. Well, no, really? Yeah. No one's going to go support, like, the Miami Marlins. But when the Yankees come to town, right. when the Mets everybody come comes to play, out. yeah, so, they'll yeah. fill that stadium up. So, yeah. so yeah. That, that's the issue that we had. So we were always battling that, you know, because 50% of our scene was composed of New Yorkers. Yeah. And, you know, and then the other 50 was people trying to, like, say, nah, we're from Miami. We're repping Miami. We're just doing hip-hop. And so when she moved, it kind of hurt us all. And uh, she ended up on first Funk Flex album, I believe, doing some spoken word. And then I think she did something where she got on the radio and started talking trash about, I don't know if it was Kim or Fox. And then the city was like, get the fuck out of here. You're not from <laughs> here. Something happened. And her album got shelved. She got dropped from the label. And her album was amazing. It was production by Karis One with, you know, she had stuff, you know, verses from Karis One produced by Red Man. Her first music video was directed by the Jizza. Whoa. Like it was just, you know, just an incredible project. And it was completely repping Miami. And I think it would have changed the face of Miami hip-hop. I mean, even Southern hip-hop to a degree. Early. Early had projects like that came out of the South. You know, just like how everybody, like, Outkast to me is, like, the pinnacle of, like, you know, Southern hip-hop. Yeah. And I feel we would have had more of that, you know, more success stories in the, like that. We would have been a different sounding region. Yeah. But instead, like, you know, the, the, the thing that people really talk about when they talk about Miami is, like, Luke and, you know. Right. Which is a and big part of which is, Yeah, yeah. Huge, huge part of it. But yeah. it's... It's like it's a very singular thing. It's not a, right. a diverse, you know, community of artists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And locally, what happened is, is even though Luke, Two Life Crew and all that is hip hop. And it, even in, in the early stages, it was them or Run DMC or whatever. F locally, what ended up happening, it became like two parallels where it's like bass music became like its own thing. Yep. And then you had hip hop and then bass looked at hip hop like some New York shit. Like in a New York invasion, yeah, you know, because of that whole New Yorker thing stigma. Well, so, and where were you? Where was your head at? No, I'm like, I'm I'm in the hip hop camp, but I very much listen to bass as well. Like I, you know, like if I went to a party, like the best parties were a DJ that had a set that he played bass music, Miami bass, yeah, reggae. The reggae is a big part of everything, you know, in Miami too. Yep, and hip hop, like reggae, just good old boom bap hip hop. That was a 
perfect party because you dance with the girls with the bass, you dance with the girls with the reggae, and then you just sit in there vibing to, to, right. to stand but, on the wall during yeah, the hip hop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where are the people who are making the real lyrical bass music? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, you know what? If you go back and listen to Two Live Crew now in yeah. comparison to some music now, well, yeah, oh, but yeah. pretty damn lyrical. If you listen you to know? anything, you know, as compared to now, very, yeah. very yeah. underrated. Yeah, also very political. You By know? the way, anybody who gets mad at like you know saying like, oh, the the new generation is not lyrical or whatever, right. and they go into the sing songy thing. Bismarck Key was not, right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what do you think about how Jacksonville basically took over Miami bass music? Did they? Yeah, like 69 That's Boys and all of them, were, they were from like... We didn't really, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it wasn't the same sound. If you really, like, listen to it sonically, it wasn't the same. Or it was exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we didn't really... Uh, like you, you ever heard of DJ Uncle Al? Yeah. He passed away. That, yeah. that, that sound is that's like the definitive yeah. Miami bass sound. When do you really feel at home and you're part of the community? Like what, what age? Um, I would say like high school is when I'm starting to feel really comfortable. Yeah. And, you get your driver's feeling, license. Yeah, you're, feeling good in my own skin. Yep. I got my crew, which is practically the same people I've been hanging out with today. You know? Right on. Yeah. And so y- you feel like yourself and you have your identity and you're at home. Right. Is that when you get into DJing? Shortly after. Well, I didn't have the money I wanted to be. I was a DJ in my mind always. Yeah. You know, I, I was inspired. The DJ is what spoke to me whenever I saw like a music video. It was, it was you know, the Eric B's or even Dre and Yella, um, uh, Jazzy Jeff and these guys. Terminator X was one of my favorites. So I wanted to do that, but I just didn't have the bread to buy turntables. That's yeah. why I would do the pause tapes. Then I was able to get the, the DJ starter kit in the back of the Source magazine. Which consisted of what? Two Gemini belt drive turntables, <laughs> but you couldn't tell me shit. I was yeah. like, yeah, yo, yeah, come over to my crib. I had a little setup. I had one crate with like maybe 20 records, and those 20 records were just gold to me. And, and that little setup was everything in the world. And I say to myself, one day, I'm going to get two crates. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. That? How now much did that cost? Too many records. Huh? Yeah. How much did the starter kit cost? I don't remember. It might have been like 80 bucks or something. I don't, I really don't know. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to add inflation to that, yeah, yeah, but I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't, yeah. really don't remember. Um, how many of your friends here carried your crates for you? Uh, well, yeah, Boris, and he's one of the, the younger guys, oh, but he, yeah, yeah. my last vinyl gig, he carried, he carried the crates. That's yeah. dope. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, good, everybody. Good friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do uh, Hype Man, Drain back there, who does photography for Drink Champs now, and he's a producer with us. Yeah. He, he used to carry my crates and be Hype Man. What are your first couple gigs like? Um, I threw our own event. Like the first thing I did, I start like right out of high school. I'm like, what am I gonna do? Okay, I'm gonna try and do something within the realm of hip hop music, entertainment. Uh, I started a company. What am I gonna name the company? I name it Crazy Hood Productions. Crazy because I thought it was insane. Mm-hmm. Hood because that was what we wore as hip hop heads. I was like our uniform, a hoodie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and even though it's hot in Miami, it's cold yeah. in school, so we <laughs> wore the hoodie. And productions because I wanted it to sound professional. Mm-hmm. Take me serious. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So the first thing I did is set You're up. You're just like KRS One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, we didn't have many, uh, like, like I said, clubs or anything like that. So the only way you, people could listen to hip hop was parties, like local parties, or, or we had warehouse parties. So I threw a warehouse party. A friend of mine, his dad had a car body shop, and. That Friday, when his dad and the workers left, we went in there and we cleaned up the body shop. We moved all the cars, we set up turntables, and we had flyers out that whole week. Was your was your friend's father aware of what you no. were doing? <laughs> no, we threw it. Everybody from around the city came. Like they have was, hydraulic lifts. They had. We so, just put them all the way up. Yeah. So you could dance under them. Oh shit! Yeah, and we all cleaned right. up all the oil on the floor. Like I have pictures of us mopping and shit. It was crazy. 
Um, and then we threw that party. But you know, then, people do that now, like for irony's sake. But like back then, you were like, "Yo, this is gonna be this is gonna be dope." Uh, no, we had yeah, it was it was dope. Yeah. Until a shootout happened. We not had, dope. Yeah. <laughs> not planned. <laughs> not planned. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a part of the yeah. event. It wasn't on the flyer. Yeah. 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 And our feature event, everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Ladies, free before midnight, and if you have a gun on you, five dollars. Yeah. 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 So. So yeah, somebody got shot. We had a shootout. Um, cops came, and they were like, "If we ever see this, if we just put CHP." You know, said, "If we ever see this fucking CHP shit, we're fucking shutting you down." Blah blah blah. Whatever. The dad found out about the shit. Of course he yeah, did. He yeah. Was, yeah, he was irate. Um, and yeah, and then but that kind of like you know that infamy started and kind of helped our. You lived our up name. to your name. Yeah. You know, right. yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was hood. And I wasn't spinning yet, so that was a party I did. I didn't, I didn't have technique turntables yet. I wasn't gonna do anything public until I had. Technique. Until you mastered your craft. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean that you're at home like practicing? Yeah, I'm practicing, but I'm actually taping my boys that are DJing. Like, I'm paying attention. I would buy uh the executioners had VHS tapes. Whoa. Yeah. And I would buy those and study that. So you're doing tricks. Not really, but trying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but then I had DJ Craze, who lives practically next to me, who's right. a world-renowned DJ. One yeah. of what's DJ his address? <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's there. I mean, yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to compete with that, so I'll, I'll just do mixtapes, you know? Yeah. And, and then, you know, shortly after I got my turntables, then I, would, I started getting gigs. Like, a, you know, we did another spot on our own in a hotel lounge. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would get gigs in South Beach working for, like, the Italian Mafia. They had, like, these, remember those, those gigs, Drain? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those those are pretty pretty insane. How were the splits yeah. at the end of the night? <laughs> yeah. Or who's getting split? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah All yeah. I remember is that they they would be like they wanted it was like in the beginning they're like, oh, we're gonna try this hip hop thing you guys wanna do here. But then they'll be like, but we don't want no spicks and niggas here. Whoa. I'm like, well, I mean, who, 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 I'm a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, it was a little weird. Um, but they ran the beach at that time, Man. you know, some of those clubs. I think Union Bar was the name of that one. And then, uh, and then you know, went off and ended up doing a, a Mickey Rourke's club. It was actually my first club gig was Mickey Rourke's club called Mickey's. Did you meet him? No. Oh, okay. Didn't meet him, but and then I had to try out to to get the gig. And what I did is, I did a all reggae set, just fucked them all up because they just saw this Cuban kid. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And then I just had the 45s and I murdered them with the reggae. <laughs> oh shit, you got it. Let's go. And then I got the job that way. When you talk about going to all of the conventions. Mm -hmm. Um, what age were you going and who were some of the people that you met there? Uh, right out of high school. So that's like 17, 18, maybe 19. Maybe I think How Can I Be Down was what, 94, 95? 95, 94. Yeah, so I was probably 18 years old. Man. Yeah, and, and, I, and it was a blessing because I was like, how am I going to meet anybody? Because the only way I'm getting information is through like the Source magazine. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I'm learning about things or reading all the credits on cassette tapes and CDs because that's how you're kind of like getting your bearings on who does what in the industry. Yeah. And then I hear about this convention. I'm like, oh shit, this is my opportunity to like meet people that I'll never be able to meet. And it was such a perfect time in hip hop because the artists were still like- Approachable. Approachable, exactly. Yeah. They were just happy to be known. And, and I'll, I'll never forget how like Busta was like, yeah, and, and Biggie and, and Pun and Puff and, and just everybody. I, I mean, I got dropped from Buckshot and, and so I just met everybody in these first conventions. I went to like, two or three how can i be downs and some other conventions um it was just it was amazing man how big was your t-shirt and what was written on it <laughs> oh huge 
I wasn't even that fat, and I was rocking a four X, five X, you know. But it looked very fashionable at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, no, but I thought you were gonna say very festive, and I was like, yes, ooh, and yeah. festive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I took a page out of like Wu Tang and Master P's book in terms of branding, and I just all of us wore crazy hood shirts. Yeah. Like, oh, so it was like a family reunion of you guys. Yeah. Walking it was around. the army. You, yeah. I wanted you to. If you're in my hometown, if you're in Miami. I want you to know who we are. Like that was my whole point. Like yeah. you need to know who we are because you're in my hood. And, yeah. And was, was there anybody else who was doing it like you at that time around there? Locally, no. Yeah. No. Do you think that like your teenage sort of guts played a big part in this where you're just like, fuck it. Like I'll do whatever. Yeah. I mean, obviously I wasn't successful in everything I tried to do and not everything worked, but, but the drive was there. Yeah. And me seeking out knowledge because I didn't have a mentor. Nobody taught me to DJ. Nobody taught me business. We talking none of that. I'm just. I mean, Kara taught you mathematics. <laughs> you teach me that. It's common. I think common sense, you know, gets a bad rap. It's a lot of common sense. You yeah. Know? So, what did you think that you could do for the area at that point? I just wanted to bring just attention, respect. I, I looked at what happened in the boroughs, and I wanted to do that for Miami. So, what I was doing in the mix, in the the mixtapes, and just by Crazy Hood repping a certain area was on purpose to inspire the other areas. Well, fuck your area. But more on some, like, you know, musical shit. Not, not really beef. Sometimes it turned into beef. Yeah. But it's like Hialeah would be like, fuck you, Kendall boys, and we're going to do it better than you, or, or Little Haiti, or Little Havana. And that's what I wanted to happen, to create what happened here in New York, you know, in any way possible that I could. Did you think about getting into, like, promotions in oh, terms no, of, did. like, bringing artists down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the first time Nori came down, I brought him down. Really? Yeah, his first solo by himself. After I met him, I did the first solo. Wow, how'd it go? It went really well. Yeah? Really well. I, I was going to say, should I talk about the Khaled thing? I don't know. Please? <laughs> yes? <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, please don't. <laughs> it's, it's awkward because we haven't had Khaled on the show. I right. haven't talked about this anywhere. I was going to wait to talk about it with him yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really nothing. Yeah. But it's, it's really funny because it turns out that back then, it, you had, I went through Violator to book Nori. Right. Mm -hmm. And it took months. It was my first time. I was really worried making sure I... Did everything right. I had a lawyer. I probably overspent money on a lawyer yeah. for that. But I was just worried that I would do something yeah. wrong. And it took maybe like two or three months to book it, deposit in. Finally got the deposit in. We got the, you know, the, 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 the signed contracts back. And I'm like, Whew. And every Wednesday in Miami, we had these DJ get-togethers at a club called Cream. And outside the club, all the promoters would have come with their cars and in their trunks. They had their records. And the DJs would come from the city and pick up their promo records. And that was like where everybody would go. Cali would go. We would all be there. Yeah. And I get there and I'm like, I'm like celebrating. Like, yeah, we finally booked it. Oh, man. Well, you know, weight off my shoulder. Now we just got to do the show. And Khaled, I see Khaled beefing with one of my boys. And it turns out, long story short, is that Khaled was starting the temple. You know, mm -hmm. his famous, his famous uh, events. Yep. And he was announcing on the radio. He was on Mix 96, which was a pi big pirate radio at the time out there, that he had a special announcement of a special guest. And apparently it was Nori that he was booking. But I didn't know this. <laughs> so he thinks that we stole Nori from him. At the time, at least he thought. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turned into something right there, like a little weird. Damn. A little weird. Um, and so I, to this day, I wonder, is this why he's not coming up? Yeah, 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 yeah. He has a very long memory. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But, well, Nori, like, he's like, yeah, it definitely it's you because I'm hanging out at his house all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, we've, we've seen each other since. We've been cool. Like, we've worked and done stuff since then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, well, I couldn't imagine but, that that well, would still I mean, carry. But, well, has he brought it up 
numerous times. I don't think he would bring it up. It's, it's, I feel like he he might. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I think he would feel like ah, I don't care about that dumb shit that happened. <laughs> But I don't know. Right, yeah, like, right. You know, I know all his peoples. I'm like, yo, let's. Well, I'm saying as a Jew, the only thing I understand is guilt. So I would, <laughs> I would hold on to that <laughs> right, feeling for right. twenty some yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> it was, a, it was a little awkward when it went down. Yeah. So, so you start promoting shows. You're in the community, and you're making a, a name for yourself right. and for the crew. Yeah. What do your parents think of what you do for a living? My mom at first was like, well, my mom is weird. She, she was kind of supportive, but at the same time, you know. Hip hop had such a bad rap, so she's like worried, and oh, I don't think you should. Do she heard about she heard about the shootout at the. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she didn't yeah, hear yeah. about. <laughs> Yo, I told my mom all kinds of shit years later. She's like, "What?" The <laughs> but uh, but my mom was like really like artsy in that sense, so she was always about like flexing creativity and trying to like you know do your own thing. So she was supportive in that way, but but she was also getting pressure from from family who were more you know like like right wingers and they're like, "Hey, you need to go to college." This right. that. And my mom was working at a, at a community college. Which allowed me to go for free. That was your end, yeah. And yeah. I kind of fucked it up and like didn't finish. And she was like super disappointed. I went back years later and showed her a diploma. She thought I had forged one. Well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, so she was disappointed. She was worried, you know. And then in those times that you know, there'd be some money, and you know, just it was up and down. You know, entertainment is, you know, the arts is is difficult. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So she, you know, she had been worried, but I mean, she she supported me the whole way through. Well, were there any jobs that you took like in the meantime? No, I mean, sometimes, like, my father, we had a weird relationship, but he, he was always a businessman and an entrepreneur, so he would come into town, and he would, like, do businesses, and I would come in and help him and, and stuff like that, and, and we tried one time to do a business together, which didn't work out. What was that? It was a check-cashing store. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it didn't just, it didn't work out between us, just our relationship. Mm -hmm. So, those are the only things that I did, but really, it was, since high school, it was really just Crazy Hood Productions, DJ EFN stuff. Wait, was there any times that you were actually going back to L.A.? I would go almost to LA every year to see family. I got family out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is there a big uh, Cuban community out there? There isn't compared to Miami, but what Cubans do is they find each other and they create like social clubs. Mm -hmm. So they all network. Mm. So growing up when I was young, I felt like if I was in Miami, because they were all around me, they, the club would have a bar for the old people. They would be playing dominoes at daycare for the kids. They would do like pageants for the teenagers and dances. Yeah. So they kept all the, the Cuban community like together and networking with each other. When did you open up your first brick and mortar store? Uh, Crazy Goods was 97, I think, 96, 97. And what sort of led you to do that? Just, again, thinking there was a need for it and something else that we can do to add to you know, what we were doing, to the movement. And Where'd you open it at? It was on Bird Road and 137th, and, and it's like, a, I don't know what you, is that Sweetwater? It's in Miami. It's, yeah, it's, it's not far from, from where we live. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and it was awesome because I would get artists to come in there doing it. We had like Cool G Rap there and all these, you know, and I'm bringing it down. And it's where we live pretty far south in Miami. So not many people make it down yeah. that far. So it was really cool for, we would do like park jams or like in the parking lot, parking lot jams, where we would have like writer's bench for the writers, b-boy, you know, contests, uh, freestyle battles. And I would give away like echo stuff. And so it became like a part of the scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And I was trying to really, uh, well, one thing I wanted to do differently, there was other shops like ours, but they were all like, they were hip hop slash head shops. Mm -hmm. And my thing was like, man, I mean, I don't smoke. So I was like, I right. don't want, like, I don't want a, a mom bringing her son or your daughter. And then they see like bongs and shit. Like, right. I yeah. Want it to be well, just... I'm sorry. They're art pieces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe the mom is like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for, I, I just didn't want that vibe. You know, I wanted it to be like just hip hop. When Nori comes down and other artists come down, you're DJ EFN. 
do you feel like you've made it at that point? Um, no, because making it to me is, you know, financial freedom, you know, creating opportunities for, for everybody else in the crew that's supporting this movement. Because, you know, my crew, I was really lucky. I had really good friends that, although we all wanted to be involved in the music business, it just couldn't support everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. So everybody started to go off and get regular jobs and careers or go back to school because it just wasn't able to support. But they were still supportive, you know, morally or whatever. Yeah. Um, so really, even to, to this day, like, I don't feel like I'm successful to at least everybody that was a part of the movement with me has something from it or can say, okay, you know, that, that helped me. See, there's the gills I'm talking about. Maybe you are Jewish. <laughs> Cubans are Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when does um, Miami then become the Miami that it is now? I mean, like, you know, like, and obviously not now, but, you know, when, when do people start moving down? When do people consider it a destination? I think those conferences did it. They mm -hmm. would come, like, they had, we had Mixed Power Summit. We had a bunch of conferences, and I just think as people would come, they're like, oh, I like this shit. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. And, you know, they, it, it became this whole thing where Miami was like, oh, these motherfuckers coming and taking our bitches and blah, 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 and this other <laughs> shit. You know, so, yeah, I just think people came. They saw Miami. They liked the weather, what they thought was great weather, because when you're in the summer, Miami's the worst weather. <laughs> um, and they just bought condos, and it was cool to be in Miami. People putting it in songs, you know, Ross blows up, Pitbull blows up, yep. makes Miami like this thing, which they were all a part of my mixtapes. Like, I was part of their careers. Right? Yeah. But, but even before that, like, in the sort of, like, 99, 2000, 2001 era, like, um, I feel like, you know, Puff would go down there and record for, for yeah. a while and, like, other people like that. So it became a scene, became, like, a lot of music videos were shot well, down Well, musically, there. it was always a scene. Right. Like, Hip-hop-wise, maybe it took a little... Like, yeah, yeah, There was yeah, always yeah. a bunch of famous musicians. Madonna yeah. was yeah, yeah. out there. Yeah, 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 sure. But for rap to come down there. Right. So they would hang down there for a longer period of time. Yeah, yeah. And you would have people just come through the store and it was, like... No, what happened is it, then it became like this like bougie scene, you know, like where it's like these upper echelon artists that only stayed in South Beach and thought that that was Miami. That was it. Yeah. And then we would all we'd had this saying like cross the bridge, like the real Miami's across the bridge. And, and yeah, so it w yeah, none of those people, if they if they got to the point where they were buying condos in South Beach, they probably weren't coming to visit me. Gotcha. At that point. Gotcha. You know, I'm still doing an underground thing. Right. But you're making mixtapes. Right. And you're getting exclusives. Right. What are some of the tricky ways that you use to get your exclusives? Well, one of the things I'll do is at these conferences, I'd go to the main hotel where all the artists were at. I would plop this digital four track in the lobby. I'd be with like 10 to 15 crazy hoods. And then as the artist came in, here's a microphone, drop a freestyle. Let's do this. Even if you didn't know them. Oh, I rarely <laughs> knew them. You yeah. Know? I knew who they were. I yeah. Know them yeah. And then they usually would look around and see. Black and Latinos all around them wearing crazy hoods. said, who's crazy? Be like, I fuck it. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> For the culture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and how would you distribute your, your mixtapes? Um, I would either, I had like different distributors around the country and mm -hmm. internationally. And I would sell them myself. In the beginning, it was out the trunk. I would make the t-shirts and sell a mixtape with a t-shirt. So with a crazy hood shirt. And a mixtape, and we go out there and, and hustle them. And flea markets was big for us in Miami. Did any labels come after you, knowing yeah. the music you put out? Yeah, I used to get those letters all the time—the cease and desist letters and scary ass letters with a big ass federal stamp at the top. Like, oh shit, I better stop. <laughs> Whatever. But did any labels come after you, like in a positive way? Like, hey, we want to do business with you. Oh, that's how I most of my networking happened because there was still a lack of uh, of radio, you know, playing hip hop in Miami. We didn't have big mix shows for a long time, and. So even and even when that started, it was very limited what they would play. So I was like the go to or people like me were the go to for these 
these A and R's or these or these promoters at the label to get the music out. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to these guys, and, and what was cool is that I got to meet people at certain stages in their career, and then they like you know got to different stages, and that you know kind of brought me along, you know, up the ladder. With After Katrina, when you know Baby moves down and Wayne, you know, would right. come there, and and I, Fat Joe was down there, and a, a lot of people like moved in. Did you sense that there was a change there in terms of like? what hip-hop meant to the city and what it was on a regular basis yeah because before that's the small scene that i kind of described we kind of owned it a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, you know as this f all encompassing like zulu nation was there a part of it um and all the artists so, you know like the, the the local artists were heroes to everybody in this little scene and then when these bigger artists came in and, and hip-hop just was growing on its own uh internationally then this scene lost control, you know, we lost control of it. Right. So I'm kind of like one of the last remnants of that scene. Yeah. And I actually wrote a, a piece for MTV News when they did the MTV Awards in Miami a few years back. Yeah. Called the Lost, Miami's Lost Hip Hop Scene, mm. where I talk about it. But there are people, like Jeff was saying before, like, you know, the or maybe you said before, the Rosses and the and the Pipples who, yeah. who grow up there. And the Smitties. And the Smitties. Oh, Smitties. man. No, that's, that's good yeah. for no. people. Yeah. And, like we have a soft spot for like mixtape Ross from back then yeah. for Pitbull when he would come up here and do like ladies night on hot 97 mm -hmm. on like a, a Friday night and like really spit like right. this is before like, you know, he became Mr. Worldwide yeah, yeah. and well before he became Armando that that is that is true. Yeah. And and they were just like nasty. What did you like about them and what did you see for them as in terms of like popular you know music right i mean for me it was just they're repping miami they they have drive and i'm 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 seeing it so i'm not gonna be the the antithesis to that like i'm gonna be a part of that like i don't want to anti whatever their movement is so so i was like always supportive of anybody locally that i saw that was going somewhere that regardless of how good they were because in the beginning i really wasn't a big fan of pit in the beginning beginning you know i was like i felt like there was better artists like, I had my own artist, Garcia, another Cuban dude, you know, that pitted them. We're all cool, you know? And I was like, you know, I felt like... And actually, Garcia almost got a deal. But... And I know Pitt's manager teach at the same time. And I, and I told him, I don't know, man. I think Pitt needs to, you know, like, polish it up or get a little bit better with lyrically, blah, blah, whatever. I forgot what critique I gave. But I was like, I'm not going to be anyone that holds, holds him back or be a part of anything that, that's not going to work for him. And I'm going to be behind him because he's repping Miami. He's doing something positive. And he had a great attitude. Pitt is one of those people that I would tell artists to study the way he is because he's just such a great person. Mm. Like he never, like he took criticism well. And if, if one person in history at one point didn't believe in him, he didn't hold that. He actually made it, make it work for him later on, you know, in his career. Sure. So, so now nah, once... I got over that he wasn't exactly what I wanted, you know. Then I saw what I did like in him, and I was all the way behind him. And I had practically have like two albums worth of material unreleased on Pit. Really? Like he would just come all the time, always dropping freeze. Like he was a workhorse. And the same with Ross. Like my boy that that worked with us heavily, uh, DJ Mega Mix was like his DJ and would do all these mixtapes with him. And he would bring him through. And Ross was just a workhorse, just doing mixtapes, mixtapes. Yeah. He was just hungry, and that, that hunger really at the end of the day is. Is, it's, it's like it attracts people mm -hmm. yeah know? and both of them really had that yeah yeah so you know you know all the the mixtape stuff he was doing back then and yeah. and the buzz that he had and, and you know he's been around for a long time and he was running with like eric sermon and different people but the change was clearly when when hustling hit so right. what was that record doing and did you feel it around the city yeah he he brought that actually he tried to get me a cd i, I still have it where he wrote dj efn and it was his the new record. He was trying to like leak it to me, 
and and I have it and I remember Khaled played it and that's when Khaled went crazy like he was starting <laughs> to do what Flex was doing up here yeah. with records just playing them. and I and I knew it I was like that record right there that's like and it was months before I think you know it, it went national and before yeah. you know Def Jam got involved or any of that right stuff. right in Miami we were just playing it like crazy and I, and I told him I think I even hit him up like yo you got one right here so you would go around clubs and and you would hear it out of cars and yeah yeah it was everything everywhere everywhere yeah him Pitt like like the, the city was behind them yeah yeah but Man. it took a minute like you know it's we're like any other city like people don't really believe in you and so they think that you're about to be something yeah yeah, like, yeah. I'm talking about citywide not for me or anything, but yeah. that's how it was. Once th that those records started bubbling, then the city was like, oh, these guys are gonna pop. Right. So is it almost like it has to break in another city before it breaks in Miami? That's usually what helped an artist in Miami, yeah. unfortunately. So what, like, what cities do you look towards down there? Well, no, it, for me, I couldn't tell you because I never did that. Yeah. But I would say as a as a city, that's what they that's, were doing. The it's like, oh, yeah. you pop somewhere else, somewhere, somebody else likes you? Yeah. Oh, now we like you. Yeah. You know, the, oh, you're going to make it now. So we yeah. better get behind it. So who are some Miami artists who you feel like you really believed in and maybe were great locally but never broke worldwide? My artist Garcia was one of them. We, mm -hmm. we, we actually had a deal with K over here um, through Koch, right? Latchkey Records via Koch great album and and that just it didn't do what we wanted it to do we thought he was amazing um there was this dude jay pure unfortunately he got in a car accident mm. that he would have been amazing if he would have came out smitty i think you know i mean i know he's he's killing it writing yeah yeah, yeah. i think you know he definitely could he had some records yeah yeah he definitely could have been doing a lot of things i mean there, there's there's just a lot of people you know some that didn't for whatever reason whether it was like a car accident or something yeah, yeah. tragic a lot of artists. I mean, being a mixtape DJ, I came across all these guys. Oh, we have Scam, too. Shout out to my boy Scam. Scam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which people don't re realize he's from Miami as well. Right. And you know, did the artwork for Eminem. Eminem, right, did yeah. The, the Drink Champs logo. Really? Yeah. And so, you know, had the song with Eminem. He's another amazing artist that I think would be dope if, if like, the city got behind him. Be like, pride. Like, wow, this guy's from Miami. Like, yeah. I don't even think they realize he's from Miami. Mm. How do things shift for you as the internet gets to be, you know. What it is. Huge. Yeah. I mean, you have to adapt with the times. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt like I flourished better in the analog days, <laughs> but I, I, I saw it coming. I mean, I didn't, I started crazyhood.com. I, I did that site in 94. Wow. So I was thinking ahead of the, you know, ahead yeah. of the times. What was it? It was just a, a destination site. <laughs> yeah. You know, trying to sell some stuff, but like a, like a blog type of thing, like a magazine, like a, a website magazine. But I always regret that I didn't, get behind it more and like develop it more and get more into analytics and start to learn that back then. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we were so ahead of it by doing it. We were right. like the first local like music website. And, and, and so, I mean, I felt like the internet just, it got ahead of us mm. and I was kind of stuck in my ways, you know, analog wise in a sense. How long did you like hold on to that traditional sort of thinking? Well, in, in the branding aspect, not at all. Like yeah. quickly I realized like, if I'm going to, you know, first of all, for branding, thank you. There's nothing like it, like in terms of like what it costs to brand yourself and do things online. Yeah. So I saw that immediately and I'm like, oh man, I could be in my underwear at the crib. Right. Making big moves, you know? Right, right, right. right, so, right. so I took that advantage That is the dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I lived it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so I did that. And that's to me, that, that was a huge advantage for me being where I already was and kind of understanding the industry and the landscape and taking advantage of it. But in other aspects and more technicality, like me, I would have preferred to have been better at Serato or, you know, and, and just using the internet in different ways that I, in more creative ways 
technically and musically I I didn't. So in that in that blog era that really happened. So let's say like 2006 to 2013, oh, 14, whatever. Cheers. Um, did you think that there was a place for you in that blogging community? I felt the blog was a new mixtape for me. And how did you take advantage of that? By curating blogs the way I would curate mixtapes. I, I felt the mixtape scene that I came from was disappearing. And not only was it no longer cassettes and physical CDs done by a DJ, now the artists took, they own now the mixtape because yeah. they would do basically albums and call right. it mixtape. Right, right, right. So we lost our power kind of as DJs. Now we're, really, we're A&Rs, we're, we're, we're curators, and we have to take advantage of what we were doing and just do it on a different platform. Yeah, yeah, but also you were the enemy of the state as a, as a DJ. You are as a right. mixtape DJ, you know what I'm saying? Like, you right. know, like you saw what happened to DJ Drama, and it's just like, like actually, where were you when, when that happened with DJ Drama? I mean, I was in Miami, but I heard about it and it was crazy. But before that happened, we had a bigger thing happen in Miami with this distributor he called uh, Hip Hop Connection. He was one of the biggest mixtape distributors in the world. I don't know why people don't know about him that much. It's crazy because every time I bring it up, nobody really knows. Yeah. But he was one of the biggest mixtape distributors in the world. And he got raided by the feds. This is way before the, the shit happened with drama. Whoa. They raided him like, like if he was Al Qaeda. Wow. They went in with SWAT shit into his The guy with freaking mixtape, you know, uh, pressing shit. And they froze his assets and all this shit. I mean, but this guy will tell you, he's like, DJ Clue mixtapes alone bought his crib. DJ Tony Touch bought his car. You know, like that's how much money he was making. Wow. Of it. Yeah. Um, so I already saw that happening. And, and so, and then I would get those letters, like I mentioned. I said, let me just, you know, like, not go too hard right you know let me not ruffle too many feathers yeah the blog era comes and it sort of transitions and now we live in this world of content right so as we're getting into like 2015 ish and you have some podcasts that are moving you have some celebrities that are becoming a part of this content game right Certainly Joe Budden is like really at the top of that, Joe Budden TV, and now he's doing the Joe Budden podcast. Shout out to Combat Jack and, and a lot of people who were at the forefront, uh, Sypha Sounds and Peter Rosenberg. Yeah, Did you see a place where you could create content that was in your own voice and how did it? How did the beginning of Drink Champs come to you? So Nori, after his, he did the reggaeton album, yes. which I had nothing to do with. I actually thought it was a joke when he told me he was going to do it because I wasn't a fan of reggaeton. Wow. Yeah. So after he did that. Hold up. That's really disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> now you thought it was a joke. Yeah. Well, because this is an Oye Mikanto house. That's well, right. Yeah. No, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so let me explain why I thought it was a joke. Yeah. Like literally, yeah. I, was in, I came to, to, to New York and we were in the studio with him. And he's and I'm like filming like I was always trying to get content back then, you know, I'm filming some stuff and then he comes in and he starts like like doing some like reggae <laughs> move and he starts like rhyming a verse in that cadence and I'm like ha, ha, ha. I was just drunk, you know? Like, ha, ha, ha. Like, no, crazy. Like, no no that was the verse for, for the reggaeton. <laughs> so I thought it was I literally thought it was a joke. Oh man. And, and you know, and I told him I wasn't a big fan of it. I mean I wanted, you know, Latinos to thrive in hip hop, but I in my personal opinion, it was just like fake patois in Spanish and mm. I wasn't and then, then like Murder She Wrote beat looped over and over again right, yeah, in the right. beginning yeah. and I went to Puerto Rico and I told like my boy took me to a reggaeton club bef years before reggaeton he goes this is gonna blow up in the US I'm like yeah right <laughs> and it did yeah, so after he did that though he called me and he's like yo I'm gonna move to Miami and you know I'm not obviously I'm done doing this reggaeton stuff now and I, I know you know bring me back to hip hop basically yeah yeah. yeah. Mm. so he moved uh, close to where I had my studio in Kendall 
and he was coming every day to the studio. And the first first thing we did was a a freestyle over where we looped um, D Nice. They call me D Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of my favorite joints. Yeah. And we, I was like, this is the best way to get back into hip hop. By the way, I have that. Yeah, we have Michael. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so they said they call me No. I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that got played by Flex. Everybody played that, and you know, and then we were starting to like get that buzz for him again from what he was doing with us. So uh, while he's down there, um, you, I don't know if you guys know Leo G that was at XM Radio. Mm-hmm. He had 66 Raw was his, his station. He approached us, uh, Nori first, and then, and then Nori had him talk to me about doing like a show for, for XM, a, a weekly. So we were, I was like, hell yeah, let's do this shit. So we did a show, we recorded it in our studios, and then it, was, it lived there for a while, and then it, Sirius XM merged, it lived on, on Backspin, it lived on Hip Hop Nation. So we did it for like two years, two, three years. And it was a weekly show. I think we were one of the few shows that we'd actually pre-record and send it into them. Yeah. Because I didn't hear anybody was, was able to do that. And we didn't make any money off of it. But if you Google that or search on YouTube, there's clips from that show. That show looks and sounds like Drink Champs. We, we drink Tiger Bone. We say make some noise. We introduce ourselves the same exact way. And it was just Drink Champs minus too many guests. Because not many guests were coming that far south to see us. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, but we had Fat Joe, I think, one time and a couple people. Yeah. And we so it acts as like a proof of concept. Yeah. But what happens, we stopped doing it because, A, we didn't make money. And mm-hmm. Nori did a new CNN album, went on tour to Europe. Yep. I was managing a group called Mayday that got signed to Tech 9 Strange Music. Oh, yeah. Were, yep. With yeah. exclamation he, points. He's one of the co-managers yep. as well. Right on, yeah. Yeah, so we got busy with that. And so we stopped doing the show. But then I was like, I felt like I wanted to do something like that. Just By the way, Mayday's brother is Ramel, right? The, uh, one of the guys, yeah, 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 Garcia, yeah, 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 Garcia, the Your Cuban artist. artist, oh my god, yeah. no, not the, the Cuban artist from what, that I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, no, uh, just, uh, like, yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just so you know, I'm not full of shit, like, yeah. still dope, by the way, yeah, my name is in, my name is in, oh, my, 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 my name is in, my name is in, oh, my name is in my name is in no got busy we stopped doing it i wanted to do it then i had another friend who was big in podcasting he's like in the hall of fame or something he'd been doing it since regular internet radio wait there's a podcasting hall of fame yeah i'm hearing there's a couple of them and we're not in any of them (laughs) (laughs) don't worry i got you i got you kid (laughs) so my homie's name is godfrey he had gamer tag radio it was like a gaming hip-hop podcast and he's he had been doing it for years and he was always like, man, you should, you should podcast. And one of the things that was kind of different for me is that it felt like 
the podcast community was very pro everybody should podcast mm-hmm. and and you know in business you're anti anybody doing what the fuck you're doing right you know? right so like, he's like no nah, man podcast yeah man this is what you do but whatever i told nori took a couple years he didn't really get it <laughs> um maybe he was just trying to get back at you for your comments about the reggaeton maybe, shit. yeah no, he thought yeah. it was a joke yeah <laughs> I, and and mind you parallel to this i had already kind of like grabbed drink champs as a name because we it was something we would say in our studio like if you got too drunk and you pass out, you're not a drink champ. I have a drink champ. It was a joke. Yeah. I thought it was always dope. Mm-hmm. Nori ended up even writing a song inspired off of it that Alchemist produced wow. back then. And I went ahead and got the website, got the the, the socials, ended up copywriting it years before That's I knew smart. what we would do with it. Yeah. So so mind you, while we're talking about podcasting, drink champs is not the name yet, but I'm in the back of my mind, oh, I do have that drink champ. That'd be great. And I love to drink. Yeah. <laughs> you're a drink champ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Years pass by and back and forth. Loudspeakers hits us up. Mm-hmm. They hit up Nori. They're like, hey, yeah, man, you, sh- you should consider podcasting. You'd be great. That Whatever you were doing you know, with EFN, that XM show, that might be great. Yeah. And Nori, he puts them in contact with me. They send equipment. Nori's still not ready. <laughs> Another year passes. Then he does Tax Stone show. Yeah. And he came, called me like immediately. He's like, I'm ready. <laughs> it's something about that interaction where he saw himself in tax. Yeah. yeah. You know, because... It seemed like back then in the hip hop community, podcasting was like a nerdy thing to them. Right. So they just, you know, they didn't get it. Oh, that's a nerd, like computer shit. Yeah. So he finally, he was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And or then, maybe even the idea of like sharing your history. Like a lot of the guys were just like, uh, I don't know. Well, I'm going to die with my secrets. I don't know. I think it was more of like, they just thought it was like some nerdy internet computer thing that they were like, I don't know. Well, they were right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But they didn't think it made money. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not cool. Like, right. I can't go tug, puff. Hey, I'm podcasting. Right, puff, right, you know? yeah, right. So that's what I think. But when he saw this dude, he's like, this is a street dude podcasting. Like, okay, I see myself in this. He's like, I'm ready. And then at the same time, Godfrey had just got a deal with CBS doing a uh, podcasting. And he's like, yo, you want me to make the introduction? And I'm like, Nori, what do you think? Do you do loudspeaker? And he's like, well, CBS sounds pretty cool, though. Like, it's CBS. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds pretty big. All right, let's talk to them. And then we did a deal with them. And we did it not knowing that at all that it was going to pop the way it popped. You know, we wanted it to. Sure. But there was no anticipation of what it was going to become pretty quickly. Well, so how, how difficult was it for you to book guests at that point and describe what this would be? Well, we had be. to do two demos for CBS. Okay. It was uh, the first day was Kenny Anderson, yeah, basketball player, yeah, yeah, sure. And the second day was Fat Joe. This is done in my oh. at my offices. Um, if you even see the the first video, it, it, the backdrop is just crazy hood stuff. There's no yeah. drink champs, no nothing. And I convinced him to, to call it drink champs because Nori's pretty impatient when he's ready to do something. Yeah, he's like, oh, that sounds great. Let's go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we did those two demos, and we they were like, oh, this is great, and we launched those. Was the Fat Joe one like six hours? Three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greatest storyteller. And it was a pretty sober episode, too, because <laughs> we, were, we were amateur drinkers. Yeah. And, um, and that went out first, even though we recorded that second. And it just... I remember the, I asked the guys from the podcasting department, what's, what's decent numbers? They're like, oh, 60,000 in a couple weeks. You buy. We did like 300. But this is when the iTunes numbers were all crazy. Yeah, sure. yeah So yeah. I don't know if it's really 300, but right. it was th- at that time for everybody. Yeah. He was like, it was 300,000. We were like, what the fuck? And, and then you know, the rest is history. So what's the first episode that really, like, you felt there was a difference in, in not only how you guys handled it in terms of, like, hey, I'm a professional conversationalist, right. but also in terms of the guest really sharing stuff that was, like, like beyond what you normally would get? 
I mean, I think the, the the first one we released with Fat Joe was was you know he talked about all the DMX stuff. Yeah. And Nor- I just think the interaction between two artists that kind of have history with each other, or or even if they don't know each other, they kind of have a shared history. You know, because they know the same people. Yeah. And then my aspects, I, I'm, I I like to say I represent the DJs and the street team guys and the guys behind the scenes. Yep. To give my two cents and represent them, even if I don't say anything, I represent them at the table. Yeah. And that's important to me. So I just think that dynamic brings out things that wouldn't normally come out in other podcasts for these artists. Now, it seems that as time has gone by, there's so many podcasts now that artists are getting more comfortable with this you know, type of platform. Sure. Yeah. And so they're talking a little bit more. They're more open, but I, there's, no, there's nothing going to replace liquor in your system to really <laughs> open you up. And that's what often happens as well. Well, I mean, like, but then how do you feel like Smoke Champs is going to be different than Drink Champs? Well, we're not sure yet about the... It being a, a podcast yet, which is an idea. To, mm. The idea is to make it a podcast. Just a lifestyle. But right now, we're gonna, it's going to be like products. Got it. Mm. Right. What do you remember in particular about the DMX episode, the Puff episode, and, um, and the... I mean, there's been a bunch of Fat Joe episodes. Mm-hmm. So just like Fat Joe in general. Fat Joe is hilarious. Like, I didn't expect him to be as funny. <laughs> um. And he's just, he's like an open book, really. Yeah. He'll, he'll talk about And he's just, he's so passionate about hip-hop. That's mm-hmm. super dope to, to see him talk about hip-hop the way he does. DMX, there could be a movie script written about how that went down. Because our boy Ali was, was kind of like, was managing, or is managing, I don't know if he still is, but he was managing DMX at the time. He was working with us, also managing us at the time. And we were like, yo, man, we need, like, we need that, that DMX. We need to, to help take Drink Champs over the top and he's like all right and he's coming to miami and he was at this hotel and we went to the hotel and he said that that x was down and then it, we weren't sure x wasn't down it was like weird and then then nori and x started drinking a, a bottle of <laughs> i don't know if it was remy to the head <laughs> and then we were like in a lobby and we we're asking them to turn down the music in the lobby and then we like set up and then the, the equipment didn't work we had to update the laptop and we had to tell them to stall for like an hour because the wi-fi was slow it was just so crazy and i'm like this is never gonna happen, man. <laughs> you know, and this guy's getting filthy drunk over here, like both of them. And then finally, when he sits at the table, he, yo, he took literally a bottle of whatever liquor that was. Like people think he was high on something else. It was literally he just took a bottle to the head. Oh my god! And then you see it; it's classic. <laughs> like he goes off into a prayer. Yeah. I think he cried. You know. Yeah. He says all kinds of crazy stuff and, and really deep stuff too. And, and it just that's that episode just took Dream Champs over the top. And what about the Puff episode? The first puff. Yeah. There's two. There's one yeah. that I wasn't there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the, and the first, the first one was, yeah, that was crazy too. Uh, it was right when we were discussing or about to do the revolt. Revolt, deal. yeah. So that was kind of like in the room that, that business, and you know he came and and he got wasted, man, <laughs> and really wasted, and it was just it was I don't know it was it was he was fun. Yeah. More more fun than I expected him to be. He was really loose with it and talked and having fun with it, and that's what I think makes a great guest because if they come and they're like. You know, standoffish. Yeah. yeah. To the situation, if they take it in, ah, man, which is a big party. You know, there's all yeah. kinds of people around. Sure. They enjoy it, and he did. He enjoyed it. It was fun, and and he ended up doing the we called it the Jeffrey, where he took every liquor on the table and poured it into a chalice and made us all drink out of it. it was that's mad. Molly juice. <laughs> it was Molly juice. Yeah. I think Molly saw that episode and it yeah. afterwards. And yeah, we just got crazy, man. It, it was it was a good episode. Yeah. Well, but how does it change the? You guys have had people who do not drink. Yeah, we had Royce, who doesn't drink. Right. Yeah. We had a couple. Uh, Fat Joe really doesn't drink that much. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So how does that change the dynamic for you? It doesn't. I always tell them, I think it's great that they don't drink for the audience. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not trying to be a pro-alcoholic podcast. 
and we'll do all the drinking for you. Right. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll look stupid. Yeah. yeah. You know? Who's the biggest white whale that you have not gotten yet? Kanye. It almost happened. Really? And it almost Kendrick happened? almost happened too. Wow. Yeah, which I'm a huge Kendrick fan. I, it was almost, almost happened a year ago. Was well, it was it scheduling or like what it happened? Was, it was the label scheduling it, and it was him coming in for Rolling Loud when he was the headliner in Miami. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they were trying to schedule it in from when he landed, and I already knew there was. I was like, ah oh, man, the label's the one handling it. It's not his direct management. Right. It's something's probably gonna go wrong, and yeah, it, like he landed too late, and then he had to. to stage and he was just gonna leave right after so it didn't happen yeah and then kanye there's been like talks of it even the thing that he did with charlamagne where charlamagne went to like something like that happening yeah but that hasn't happened yet Mm. are there any people outside of the hip-hop like industry that have either reached out or that you've thought about uh i mean i want to do i'm down to do anybody i feel like everybody has a hip-hop related story Mm mm-hmm and if they if they're worth talking to if they have, you know they have something to bring to the table I mean I, I'm I'm open to talking to them like, I'll have fucking Bill Gates on the show if we could you know like yeah. that'd be amazing legendary drinker you imagine That's if he starts yeah. busting out Wu Tang lyrics yeah. yo that shit would blow the internet up you know like yeah like Bezos or something or whatever you know yeah, like, yeah, those yeah. type of people I, I mean comedians have been some of our best guests mm-hmm. yeah like uh, Marlon Wayans was dope uh, Mike Epps was dope yeah like, we've had some of our best episodes have been with comedians do you feel like the Drink Champs brand has bought your brand, the EFN brand, the Crazy Hood brand, somewhere that you never expected it to go. Yeah, of course. I mean, I only dream to, to be a, like a part of hip-hop history, and, and, and we created a part of hip-hop history. Yeah. But are you in the Podcasting Hall of Fame? Definitely not. <laughs> that only goes to Gamertag right yeah. <laughs> Shout out, God. So who do you pay for that? I, no, I'm playing, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but Let's really, really get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so now you guys are established at, you know, top of the charts, you've, you know, you, uh, the videos are, are just sort of an extra level to it, like, because people enjoy it, obviously listening on the train or something right. like that, but they also, to see it while they're at work or something like that is a whole nother level. What do you want to do next with the Drink Champs brand? Movie. Nori's been on a movie tip from the beginning. He's been trying to sell like a, a Drink Champs comedy movie forever you are for everyone like, out there wearing a shirt that says crazy hood film academy <laughs> but like to do like a, a a deaf comedy jam sort of thing or no, like, a like he wants to do Kings like, of comedy? like uh like some of his favorite movies are like something about mary or or soft what is it uh no, something that mary takes place in miami the, that is true what's yeah. that the game the ball where they're throwing balls at each other dodgeball Dodge Dodge yeah, yeah, yeah 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 like that movie like he wants to do something in that vein drink champs like about the drink champs story but it'd be a sketch comedy I mean, well I'm what's stopping that you? No. Do you think it's a joke? <laughs> no, I just. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think anybody serious has taken it completely serious yet. But yeah, I mean, there's so many spinoff things we want to do. Um, and Nori has his own. He has his own food show that he does. Yep. Mm-hmm. I have a, a documentary series that I do. Right on. Where you? So, yeah. yeah. Travel. So, so we're both have all these other things we're trying to do. But I mean, I think sky's the limit. With what we could do with Drink Champs, literally, like there's so many things we could do. Well, what I think is amazing about Drink Champs is that, and Nori says this pretty regularly on the show, is giving flowers while people are allowed right. to to receive them. Right. Um, so that sort of has this tint of let's talk to veterans and OGs and people right. who have been around for a while. South Florida is now, and for the past maybe five years, become this very symbolic thing about the youth, right? Right. You have the smoke perps and the... Yeah, Denzel Curry. Yeah. yeah. All these young guys who are doing this very different sound. It's very SoundCloud and Miami-ish. Right. Do you ever want to wade into those younger waters? 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that they would be able to a uh, drink with you guys right. and uh, b carry an episode? Yeah, talk for because an like, hour and a half, two like, hours. In the same way, like hours, you have to have these these stories that can drive a conversation where you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe that that happened. Right. Because sometimes you can have like a guap dad four thousand who is like years beyond his actual age. Like he can talk forever, right? Yeah, he has a, a lot, lot of personality. Of, but a lot of like the younger kids, it's like they can't tell their own story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have these episodes that we call family episodes where it's not really just about the guest that's there. It's kind of like a greater conversation. And that's what, where we feel we could have a lot of younger guests be a part of those things. And if, and if they shine and they talk more, then that's cool. And if they don't, it's a family episode and everybody can chime in and it's no pressure on them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we want to do more of, of these younger artists. Um, so, yeah, so definitely, yeah. And, 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 oh, what I was thinking is that I still feel like we need to do a lot of more of the veterans. Like I want to have Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel and Grandmaster yeah. Kaz and, and these guys. Like I feel like the, we need to get these guys. Like it's 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 very important to have them on the record on Drink Champs. Totally. Yeah. I think like for us, there's been a lot of people who um, have passed away, and we're we're lucky to have those stories before they yeah. before they went away. What do you think of Miami today? <sighs> That's a tough question, man. Um, do you not think about it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I go back and forth about wanting to move out of Miami. Yeah. Because I have a, a, a young daughter now. It's my first kid. And, I, and I've always like, oh, I don't know if I want to raise my kid in this city. How come? It's just the city is just, it's Miami, man. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just, well, you grew up it's, there. It's like it's Sin City. It's, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's everything that it's been made out to be. It really is that. Yeah. You know, it really is that. You know, even the, the suburbs were created by the drug dealers in the, you know, in the 80s. Right. So that's. And it, that vibe is still there. So, I mean, look, I love Miami. Every time I say, ah, oh, I want to leave, I leave. And then I'm like, like right now, yeah. I want to be back in Miami. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's garbage weather right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just, it's home at the end of the day. But, yeah, I, I, the only thing I'd change about Miami is just, and I, actually, I can't change it because it's just the nature of Miami. Miami is a transient city. Mm -hmm. And it's what causes it to constantly be changing. I wish there was more consistency in the city. Because then we could actually cultivate and grow more homegrown things and have them be more successful. Mm. The reason why we don't have a lot of numbers of things that are homegrown is because it's, it's so transient. Yeah. You know, every year there's a new flock of people from a different country, different state, different city, different cultures, which is what makes Miami dope also. Yeah. But when you're trying to make business happen, yeah. at least cultural like art stuff it, it's difficult you know? yeah and we had that like with Winwood. you guys mentioned Winwood. sure yep Winwood was a place that we used to go to as kids it was the hood it was like it was not the arts district no it was <laughs> return to living base heads it yeah was crackheads in there right we used to go to zulu jams and the way that the zulu jams were set up is it was on basketball court and in the middle they were the b-boys and then they had the zulu uh security all around the courts basically pushing away the crackheads like they were zombies mm. And that was what Winwood was. And then the reason why it became this art mecca is because all the graffiti writers felt that they could safely do pieces in there without the cops fucking with them because it was such a shithole. Mm. Now, look what it is. But what's happened is a lot of the artists that made Winwood what it is, they got pushed out. And now these walls that they used to do for free yep. now are worth millions of dollars. And it's some guy from Brazil and some guy from France and some guy from another place. And it's white people touring these places. It's no longer Taking Miami. pictures, yeah, like, I for used, Instagram. We used to be in there 24-7, and when we used to do block parties in Wynwood, but nobody wanted to be in Wynwood but us. Right. And now it's, it's crazy to, to well, see what it if is. If not Miami, then where would you go? That's a good question, man. I don't know. I, I want to go somewhere because the thing also about Florida, um, and we learned this managing Mayday as well, is that 
we're a peninsula and we're basically like on an island all the way down here and to do anything you have to go all the way up and then you're in the rest of the country right yeah that affects business and so i would love to be in a state that's more central where i can go to different places and you know one hour this way you're in another state one hour this way you're in a mountain one hour this way you're in a lake I can't do that in Miami. Yeah. Uh, half an hour, I'm in the Everglades. The other half an hour, I'm in the Everglades. The other half an hour, I'm in the ocean. What's your best Florida man story? <laughs> Florida man story? Yeah. What is that? You know how, like, in, like, <laughs> like different head, different like headlines, they'll say, like, Florida man um, <laughs> on, yeah. like, uh, bath salts, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. eats yeah. a buddy's neck or, you know. Because uh, all the weird stories come from Florida. Yeah, yeah man. Every man. single one. Yeah. But we don't see them in real life. They're just like... Is it because there's so many that you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah, I think this is a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really... Drain, anything that, that pops to you that we've seen? Is he Florida man? <laughs> <laughs> if anything, we have our own Florida man. Our, our boy, Charlie, we call him Dragul. He got so drunk one night. He threw himself out the car <laughs> on the highway. <laughs> he opened the door and said, you're out of here. <laughs> and that should have been Florida man throwing himself out the car. <laughs> um, what's your best gunplay story? Oh, man. Just, well, yeah, I want you to see it on the podcast. It, we just did a podcast and he's wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, gunplay, everything is so ill about <laughs> him, man. He's just such a great dude. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate. I was the first person to put him on a mixtape. Wow. He, yeah, he always mentions it. When he's around me and, and so he's you know he's very loyal because of that it just i think the dude is a great artist mm -hmm. he's too real yeah yeah to his detriment sometimes. yeah yeah sure you know i wish that you know he would like chill out a little bit so that he can really enjoy success yeah but he's just a great dude man and it just there's nothing i can say the story because it's just all out there the way he is i mean we've seen the videos in colombia oh yeah and, i mean he watched the one of the we did an episode with CeeLo, and he jumps in on that episode. Oh, my God. And I don't want to give it away because it's just so... Was he invited? I'm sure somebody was. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I mean, he's, yeah. Always, he's like, welcome on the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's from Miami. He can yeah. do whatever he wants. Um, did you ever see the video of him at Six Flags? No. Oh, it's oh the God. greatest video ever. What did he do at Six Flags? <laughs> it's just... It's, it's gunplay gun on Six rides. Flags. Yeah, it's, it's the greatest. He's having the best time in the world, and he's not, you know, a 10-year-old. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, by the way, uh, back to the movie thing... Um, so uh, 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 when we first started out, we were doing sketches, and one of the first people that was on uh, one of our sketches was Nori. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Nori came over to our old apartment. He was so excited to meet us that he came in ahead of time. Nice. Which, like, you know, no, no artist is going to do, right. but he showed up so early that he was like, let me not go up there yet i'll stand downstairs and right. smoke cigarettes for like a half an hour and then and then went up and the whole idea behind that sketch was that he was a door-to-door -door reggaeton salesman <laughs> <laughs> so he's got us at the door and he's like pitching us like all this stuff and capone is behind us stealing everything from our apartment grabbing the tv off the wall and taking tims That's and all this awesome. stuff yeah yeah great video um but so the thing about nori is that he doesn't go by a script Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> if you try and put a script in front of him, he'll say, yeah, 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 yeah. The and more then, you try to do a script with yeah. him, the oh. worse it's going to get. Oh, yeah. 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 Totally, like, left yeah. field. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. But he's naturally funny, man. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's so funny. The best. Yeah. yeah. The best. Well, listen, EFN, I'm so glad that you came up here. Uh, I'm so glad you got to tell your story. Oh, thank you. And Congrats. unlike on your own podcast, Drink Champs, I'm glad that you were finally able to make some noise. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Man. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if you want to find out more about us, I'm Eric, you're Jeff. Together, we are It's The Real, no apostrophe. 
no spaces. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called The Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about what's going on in this great career of ours, Jeff, where can they go? You can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com. On our website, you can go sign up for our newsletter. It is free. It is great. Everybody who has signed up for it mostly has not unsubscribed from it. That is a weird selling point. I'm just saying, everybody who has signed up for it has mostly not unsubscribed. Okay, so there have been a thousand and twenty, I want to say. Okay. Signups. Yes. Three people have unsubscribed. Yes. One of those three people resubscribed. So hopefully two people can join so it makes you feel like we haven't lost anybody. You know? We just no, I've, I've already moved past those two people. <laughs> Fine, for me. Okay. We just need... I don't need just two people. I need everybody to sign up. Itsareal.com is where you can sign up for the newsletter. You can also find all of our merch there. Well, not all of our merch because we sold out of most of it. Yeah. But we have some t-shirts left. Yeah, we have some t-shirts left. Itsareal.com slash shop. We got some new merch coming up. We got some wrenches that we're going to work on. It's wrench time. You can listen to all of our old episodes and all of our new ones if you go on any streaming platform and listen to our podcast. So wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, you can find 260 more episodes of it just like this. We're also on social media at It's The Real on Twitter, at It's The Real on Instagram, at It's The Real on Facebook. Also, I was listening to the Premium Pete podcast today. Yes, shout out to Pete. Shout out to Pete. Shout out to Joe Lapuma. Yeah. And at the end of Pete's episodes, he says, hey, if you are an advertiser, small company, large company, hit us up. Hit him up at hit us up. Go to our website. Go to itsthereal.com. Jeff, this is the part of the podcast where we like to shout our supporters out. Who do you want to big up? I want to big up a few people that have been Instagram commenting on our page. I want to big up Blacksmith Music, Music Business Podcast, Della Yador, Caesar 1906, D Fresh Prince of Bellhaven, Mike Nice CT, Carl Ferguson Jr., Chris Street, You Gotta Love Cam, Smoking Ace 85, J Cap 5, Taylor Made HVM from Detroit. I want to shout out Young Psych for Real, Miana Drake from LA, Arsonist, and J Omega from the Officially Street Podcast. I want to big up. You, Jeff, and our brother Dan, happy birthday to you both. Wishing you the greatest year ahead. As always, guys, not for real, for real. We'll see you guys next week. Right.